We are back, my friends, and I am so excited to be here launching season two with you. And we have a lot to discuss, including what's happened on the show since last season, what's coming up on this season. And I'm going to share two pieces of advice for you based on everything we learned since coming out of the pandemic and going through the strikes of the past year, because our industry keeps changing. And so we have to adapt because what used to work no longer does. So like I said, we have a lot to talk about. Let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to Theater Life Uncensored, where we peel back the curtain and reveal to you what's really working in today's industry for theater artists just like you. That means you get to hear and learn how to surpass your career goals sooner and enjoy an easier, more peaceful life along the way. I'm your host, Jim Cooney, a New York City-based director-choreographer, and I'm also the founder of Amplified Artists, a membership community for theater professionals from performers to producers and everyone in between, helping you create a career and life you love. All right, so before we dive into everything, I have to first say thank you so much for everything you've done for the show since we ended last season, including the unanimous five-star ratings you've been giving the show. Not only does that mean a lot to me personally, but it helps other people find the show because the podcast platforms prioritize shows based on those ratings and your reviews. So you are paying it forward. You are helping other people discover the show. And new people are discovering the show each week, including this week. People are still subscribing to the show, following it, downloading episodes. And this has been mind-blowing to me because I've not advertised the show since we ended it last season. Our last episode was on October 2nd, 2022. So it's been over a year since then. And last month was International Podcast Day. So I did a post then. But besides that, I really haven't actively advertised it. And people are still downloading episodes every week. And so that must mean you're sharing the show with your friends, which I really appreciate. Or like I said, these five-star ratings are really helping. Now, by the way, if you're an Apple Podcast user and you haven't left a review or a five-star rating yet, please do because you see the power that this has. And while you're there, you can also subscribe to the show so you don't miss any episodes. Now, another cool thing that happened is with Spotify. You know how at the end of the year they give you your year in review where they tell you your most played songs and most listened to artists and things of that nature. Well, if you have a podcast on the platform, I discovered this last year for the first time, your year in review is all about your podcast and not about your listening behavior as a user, right? So if anyone knows how to get that, I would like to have both of these. But as a podcast person now who has a podcast on this platform, that's the year in review they send me instead. But what's crazy is that they told me that this show, Theater Life Uncensored, is one of the most followed shows on their platform, the top 25% most followed shows on their platform of all the podcasts. Now, this is a single season, 15 episodes only, and yet it's one of the most followed shows on Spotify. Now, this was completely mind-blowing. This was not on my radar. I was not trying to have the most followed show on Spotify. This was like out of left field. I was so surprised by this and amazed by this. And it's because of you all following the show there. So again, I just have to say thank you. And when it comes to rating the podcast on the charts, there are over 12,000 podcasts in this genre, the performing arts genre, which this podcast falls under. Well, out of those over 12,000 podcasts, we ranked as high as number 61 during last season. 61 out of over 12,000. That has to be, again, from you following the show, subscribing, tuning in, downloading the episodes, leaving the reviews. That's how this happens. So I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but I just have to say thank you, thank you, thank you for doing all this. Like I said, of course, it means a lot to me personally, but you are helping more people discover the show. And so we are just helping everyone grow together and become better artists. And so you are paying it forward. So you should be happy with yourself about that and proud of yourself about that. 
And again, I'm very grateful for, for all of that. I already knew that I wanted to do a season two, but now because of everything you all have done, it's really cemented in my mind that this is something we're going to keep doing. As long as you keep finding value in this, I'm going to keep producing these episodes. So that wraps up everything that's been happening over this past year. Now let's talk about everything new this year. And a lot of this is also because of you. So at the end of last season, if you remember, I sent out a survey asking people for their feedback on different aspects of the podcast. And at first glance, I felt like, oh, this survey wasn't really helpful to me because when I got all the answers back, you literally were split 50-50 on every single question. I'm like, well, this doesn't let me know which way I should go. But after I looked at it and thought about it for a moment, I was like, oh, no, actually, this says we're exactly on the right track because most of these things we were already doing. And so if you're happy with both of them, that's great. So, for example, one of the questions was, do you prefer the shorter episodes that are solo episodes of just me where I'm sharing actionable advice and strategies and tips? And it's more just straightforward. Here's how to make your career better. And here's how to improve your life, that kind of stuff. Or do you prefer the guest interviews, which are longer? They're more behind the scenes. You get to see how other people are you know, leading their careers and having their career wins and living their lives and feeling creatively fulfilled. Like, which of these do you prefer better? And it was 50-50. So great. We're going to keep presenting both kinds of episodes, the shorter ones with me that are just the solo episodes and then the longer guest interviews. Another one of the questions was, do you prefer to listen to this podcast as an audio podcast or do you prefer to watch it on YouTube? And again, split 50-50. So we will keep doing both of those things. But here's a question that is going to change something for this year because it was something that we weren't doing that I asked and you are 50-50 on this. So we're going to start including this. The question was, do you prefer the type of interviews that we had last season, which I call the quote unquote everyday artists, people like me, people like the ones who are on the show who don't have all the big fancy Broadway credits and the Tony Awards and all of these things, but are showing up, doing the work and are still living full lives, still making their full salaries based on their art living wherever they want to live in the world, getting to travel, having families, like people who are doing it, right? Without having the big Broadway careers, right? That is possible. And I want to show people that. So that's what we did last season. And I asked you, do you prefer that? Or do you prefer hearing from the big Broadway stars and the people with the Tony Awards and whatnot? And like I said, you were 50-50 on that. So since we weren't including those people before, the big Broadway people, we are going to start including them this season. Now, I already kind of alluded to why we didn't include them last season, because I wanted to show you the value of, you know, what could be done without that, because, you know, some of you don't live in New York to listen to the show, so you don't have the access to be on Broadway or to win a Tony Award. Some of you maybe don't have any interest to be on Broadway, and so that doesn't interest you. Um, so I wanted to show you that you could still have these full lives without that. But also, another reason for that is I feel like there's tons of access to these people with the big careers already. They already speak on all of the other podcasts. You can read their interviews in online publications and in print magazines. You can see them in seminars. A lot of them teach, so you can take their workshops. I just feel like there's a lot of access to them already. Whereas, like I said, these everyday artists, no one's really sharing their stories and you can't really learn from each other in that way. So I wanted to provide a space here on this podcast for us to be able to do that. And we are still going to do that. But there's nothing wrong with having the big careers on here as well. It shows you the full range of what's possible. And maybe you don't like the interview styles of the other podcast hosts that those people, you know, they go on their shows. Maybe you prefer this format. And so you want to hear them here, or maybe you don't have access to go to their seminars or to their classes, or you don't even know about their publications where they're being interviewed and things. So 
let's just make it easier. Let's bring them on this show too. It's going to make the show better. So I thank you for that feedback. And that's exactly why I asked that question to see if you wanted to hear from those people. So we are going to start weaving them in as well. Starting off next week, we're going to kick things off with a bang here. You'll hear a little snippet, a little preview at the end of this episode about who it's going to be next week, but someone with a big Broadway career, multiple Broadway shows, multiple Tony nominations, even winning a Tony award. So we're going to start with that next week. And then, like I said, we'll rotate through the big Broadway people and then the everyday artists. You're getting a full mix of what's, you know, what's available to you as an artist in this career. All right. So that's the first big change. The second big change is the technology that we've been using for the show. We are improving that. So if you noticed last season, the audio podcast where it was just me, there was really great quality because I was just you know recording directly into a microphone. But for the guest interviews, the audio and video quality was not really great because I'd recorded those all on Zoom. Now, Zoom is not made to record podcasts, but as I was just starting this out and already investing a lot of money into all the other technologies, I just decided to use Zoom. So that part could be free. but it's just the quality is not great. And so I really wanted to level up the show. And I wanted those guest interviews to have the same kind of high quality that my solo episodes do. And so we have invested, or I have invested, I should say, into a better technology that's going to let those guest interviews have that same crystal clear audio quality and have very high definition video quality for when you're watching this on YouTube. So it's just going to level up the show. I can't wait for you to see this. It's going to make the show just seem more seamless across all the episodes as well. Now, speaking of the video quality, for those of you who watched on YouTube and prefer to watch the show that way, you may remember that on the guest interviews, you would see the full video because, like I said, I had done those on Zoom. But for the audio ones, the solo episodes that were just me, I was just recording those into a mic, so there was no video to show you. So the videos on YouTube were just the static image of the uh, cover of the podcast. There was like the animated waveform as I was talking and, and then the captions of what I was saying, right? So you know, it was still visually engaging a little bit, but it's not like video, right? So this year I'm recording all of the episodes on video, including the solo ones, just like this. So if you're watching on YouTube, what you're seeing now, me live, this is going to be how all the episodes are this year. Again, it's just going to level up the show. And besides the fact of it just being more compelling to watch, we speak with our facial expressions. We speak with our body language. So it's going to just help you understand things better and get the message more clear. And so like I said, it's just a way to enrich the show and make it better. So I'm really excited about um, all these new technology updates that we're going to be doing and filming all the episodes. Okay, so there's one other change, and this was one of the things that didn't come from any feedback. This is something that actually came from my podcast platform. It's something new they started to do. They now offer a way for you to tip the podcast host or tip the podcast as, as a whole to help support the show. Now, I offer this podcast for free. I'm happy to offer it for free. I want to offer it for free. It's my way of giving back to the community. I feel I've been very blessed in my life with my teachers and mentors who have helped me. So I just want to keep sharing the information. I really believe in that phrase about, you know, rising sea lifts all boats. I'm probably butchering that phrase, but you know what I'm talking about where, you know, we all can rise together. So I'm happy to be part of that process and keep sharing information and making us all better, right? It makes me better as well. So that's that's not changing. But all of that being said, the technology does cost me, you know, to produce this show. There is a financial investment I have to make to make the show happen and a time investment as well. Each episode takes me about eight hours to plan it, record it, edit it, do the sound mixing. If there's a guest involved, I'm also booking them and the time involved with that and coordinating with them, then putting the podcast on my blog and putting it on YouTube. So like I said, it's about eight hours altogether. It's a lot of time. And I'm happy to keep doing this. I knowingly took this on. I willingly took this on. Like I said, it's it's not a problem at all. 
But when the podcast platform that I use, when they offered this ability, I thought, you know what, this is kind of cool because the podcast will still stay free for everyone. But if you find the show very helpful to you and you want to help support the show, you can leave a tip. It could be a dollar, it could be $5, $10, or no money at all. There's no expectation. It's just there. It's available to you if you so choose. And it's going to be part of the show notes now for all of the episodes moving forward. Now, speaking of moving forward, let's end the podcast by looking forward. So I've told you about all of these changes that are happening, but let's talk about some advice so we can end this on a good note here and send you off in the season with some actionable things you can be doing. We came out of the pandemic at the end of last year. So this was finally a full season. People might say we're still in a, somewhat of a pandemic because COVID still is around, all those kinds of things. Yes. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, this season that we had, 2022 into 2023, this theater season was pretty much back to a full normal theater season. So what did we learn from that? Well, we learned theater audiences are not as big as they were before, right? That's the first thing. The second thing we learned is people who used to be part of season subscriptions and buy uh, show tickets for like a whole theater company's uh, season, like buy these subscriptions, that is not really coming back. Like they canceled those during the pandemic. People like, you know, stopped paying for them. There's no theater being made and they haven't returned in full force to sign up again for those subscriptions. Also COVID, like I said, a few minutes ago, it's still taking people out of shows. So shows need more coverage. They need more rehearsal time. So when you look at all of these things, what does that mean? It means that there's less money coming in and more money going out. Now that's not a sustainable business model, right? No theaters can stay open that way. No producers can keep producing shows that way. So what are they doing? They're scaling back. They're trying to reduce their costs so that they can stay afloat. This means things like doing a smaller season. It means doing smaller shows. And I'm not just talking about the performers, also things with fewer costumes, uh, smaller sets. So you don't need to have as big of production teams on the shows as well. So that means there's fewer jobs available than there were. On top of all those things that are going on, Throw the strikes on top of that, where jobs just, again, disappear overnight, just like they did at the start of the pandemic. All the jobs just disappear overnight and for months on end. So if we have learned anything over these last few years, it is that our jobs are so fragile. They could be gone at any moment, right? It used to be that we could take it for granted. If we got a six-month contract, we could pretty much you know, rest easy and be like, okay, I have work for the next six months. It was only when you were in between jobs that you had to have a little bit of stress, trying to find where that next job was. Well, now you could get a six-month contract and it could just go away tomorrow, right? We've learned that several times now. And so we need to change our behavior because if we keep acting the same way, we're not really seeing what's going on. So here's the two pieces of advice I have for you now that we're moving forward into this new era of our industry and you know, using this information that we learned so we can adapt our behaviors. The first one is to expand your revenue streams. Expand the way that you can make money doing what you already love to do. Expand the ways that you can collect money on doing things that you're good at doing, right? This isn't a survival job. We're going to get more into this in a moment. It's not a survival job. It's taking what you already are doing, but expanding the ways you can do that. Okay, so that's the first piece. And like I said, we'll talk more about that in a moment. The second piece is expand the ways people can hire you, okay? So let's, let's talk about these two things separately starting with expanding your revenue streams. I'm going to use the example of Netflix so you can see this because everyone knows this business model. It's going to make sense to you. If Netflix had stayed only offering DVDs, right, and they didn't switch to streaming, then they would have gone out of business like Blockbuster did, okay? They started with mailing you DVDs, then they started a second channel, a second revenue stream that was 
letting you stream the shows. Ha ha, pun intended, right? Their second stream was letting you stream the shows. Okay, so same exact content, but just offering it in two different ways. You can get it on the hard disk DVD, mailed to you, or you can watch it on the internet, have it streamed to you, okay? Then they added another channel, which was they started to stream TV shows, past episodes of TV shows. Then they added another revenue stream starting to produce their own TV shows. Then they added another revenue stream, which was producing their own movies. So as time went on, it's the same thing. They're offering entertainment. They're offering these uh, TV shows and movies, right? But they started from DVDs, and then they kept expanding and adding all of these various revenue streams. Again, if they had stuck with one, they would go bankrupt like Blockbuster. So if you're only, let's say you're a performer, if you're only performing and there's strikes or a pandemic or whatever else happens, you lose your job and that's your only revenue stream, you're out of luck, right? You want to have these other systems in place. And traditionally, people thought about doing these survival jobs. Well, no, I don't want you to babysit if you don't want to babysit. I don't want you to wait tables. I don't want you to, you know, have a temp job in an office if you don't want to do those things. If you want to do those things, awesome, live your life. But you can expand your revenue streams based on what you already are doing, just like Netflix did. And you are doing things you already trained to do, that you already have the skills for. There's no extra work on your part. You're just opening up the different ways that people can pay for what you do. Okay, so hopefully that's starting to make sense. So let me give you some examples here. Let's say you are a performer. So besides your performing, you could do voiceover work. You could read books on tape. You could be an MC for events or an MC at dance competitions. You could sing in a wedding band. You could be a model. You could be a teacher and teach other people how to perform, right? And so same thing would happen if you're a director. Like there's a whole channel of things you could be doing. If you're a music director or a choreographer, there's a whole channel of other things you could be doing. It's the same skills, the same things you've already spent so much time training yourself to do and the things you love to do that creatively fulfill you but you're letting people pay for it in different ways. And so let's say during the pandemic, your theater jobs went away. And then during the strikes, your TV film jobs went away. Well, you still have your books on tape. You still have the wedding band you were singing. In. I mean, there was all these other ways that you could still be making money. And what you may find is that one of these other revenue streams, they may be more lucrative than the revenue stream of what your primary thing is, right? So let's say you're a choreographer, and you're choreographing shows, you're getting paid to choreograph, but you have these other revenue streams that are making you extra money, maybe even more money, which gives you more choice and freedom in the choreography jobs you take. So you're still getting to do what you love to do, and that's your primary thing, but you have these other things that are also feeding you income, and maybe, like I said, maybe even more income, which is great. So just to give you an example of this, I just looked this up. Back in 2021, when Netflix was still sending out their DVDs, only... 0.6% of their revenue was coming from people requesting the DVDs at home, all right? Their primary thing that they started with was only making them at this point 0.6% of all of the revenue, right? So like I said, maybe you are choreographing all these things, but you have another revenue stream that's making you even more money. That's great, right? Why not have that? Even if your primary thing is not the thing that's making you the most, that's totally fine. It doesn't need to be that that's the primary thing. And I think that's how we tend to think of it is like, okay, that's my main thing. That's where my main income is going to come from. And I'm just going to dabble in these other little things and get a little bit of money here and there. That is one way you can do it. But what I'm suggesting is allow those other things to flourish too. Maybe they will bring you more money than your main thing. And that's fine. It just helps support everything. So that's the first thing, expanding these revenue streams. Now let's switch gears and talk about expanding the ways people can hire you. 
What I want to suggest about this is let's step back a little bit. We have been brainwashed to think that the way that we book work is by auditioning. If you're a performer or if you're a director choreographer, it's by pitching yourself, pitching projects, uh, uh, pitching the fact you would attach yourself to an existing project. Um, and we have submissions, right? You can you know, submit yourself as a performer or as a director, choreographer, whatever it may be. All right. That's what we, we think of. That's how we book work. Okay. And so we spend all of our time or most of our time on that, improving our skills, right? Improving the way we audition or improving the way we pitch ourselves and also just improving our talent in general. Okay. But here's some stats that are going to blow all that up. I asked a bunch of people if they booked work without auditioning, pitching, or submitting themselves. And the amount of people who said yes to that was 75%. 75% of people said yes, they have booked work without auditioning, pitching, or submitting themselves. But here's what's even better. Out of those people, I asked them how many jobs did they book without auditioning, pitching, and submitting versus the jobs they did where they actually did audition or pitch themselves, right? They're booking up to 70% of their jobs without the auditions, pitches, and submissions, okay? And I'm one of these people too. I counted my jobs over the last five years, and I'm also at that 70% mark. 70% of the jobs I'm making and up to 70% of the jobs that these other people are doing are coming from other places, other ways, right? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But just think for a second, if you could make 70% more money and book 70% more jobs, what would that be like? I mean, we're talking about instead of, you know, five or six jobs, you're doing 10. Instead of 50,000, you're making 85,000. I mean, this is a big increase. And actually, you know, if you just erase that 70%, right, you only have that 30% of your jobs left. I mean, like, let's think about it in those terms. If you only had three jobs out of 10 and you had, could get seven jobs out of 10 by all of these other ways, wouldn't you want to have that? I mean, that's an even better way to look at that. Instead of three jobs, you're having 10. Instead of 30,000, you're making 100,000. I mean, adding 70% on top of what you're doing, that is huge, okay? So this is why we need to expand the ways that you can be booking work. And it doesn't make sense to spend 90 to 100% of our time on what's going to book us 30% of our jobs or what has the ability to only book us 30%. We should be spending our time on all these other ways that are going to help us book these other 70% of jobs or increase our bookability by 70%. Okay. So what are these things? We're talking about your marketing tools that work for you on autopilot, right? Your reel that's available 24 seven, your website that's available 24 seven, your social media that's available 24 seven. People are booking work from their websites, their reels, social media, and things without having to audition. Okay. Then there's other types of things like your reputation and referrals. I mean, the list goes on, right? And I'm going to give you a resource so we don't have to spend time just talking about it here on the podcast. I'll, I'll tell you about that in a moment, a free resource I'll give you to help you with this. But if you spend time on all of these other ways to book work, you are going to book more work. It's really just simple math. The more ways people can hire you, the more jobs you're going to book, okay? So instead of focusing just on improving your talent and skills, I want you to really start thinking about how can I make sure my real, my referrals, my reputations, like all these little other things we've talked about so far that I've mentioned, how do I get those things to be booking work for me as well? And there's actually 20 of these things that I put together into a free resource for you. It's called your dream career blueprint. And I'll talk to you more about that in a moment. Okay, so we have these two ideas now. We are going to expand our revenue streams and expand the ways that we can book work. 
Now, you might be feeling overwhelmed. I want to tell you that none of this can be done overnight. So if you are feeling stressed, like, oh my gosh, there's so much to do and think about, take a deep breath. This happens over time. And I will use myself as an example here just to help you understand this. So I made the switch from performing to becoming a director and choreographer. I just found that I really like to do that more. I made that switch officially 20 years ago this year. It's been 20 years now. When I made that switch, my only revenue stream was directing and choreography. Then I added in teaching a couple years later. So now I had two revenue streams, the money I was making as a director and choreographer and the money I was making as a teacher. Then the next thing I added in was I was helping my performer friends and theater friends, you know, producers, directors, choreographers, whoever. I was helping them build websites because this was before Squarespace and Wix was around and I loved building websites. I love technology. And you have to remember, this was like 16, 17 years ago now. So this was when websites were really starting to happen for, for our industry, right? People were starting to be like, oh, instead of having people come into an audition, I can go to their website and I can see their photos. I can see their uh, resume. I can see their credits. I can see reviews. If you did have any video of you performing, that could also be on your website. I mean, this was a revolutionary new thing that was happening. And you might be thinking like, well, that kind of sounds more like a survival job because that's not you, you know, as a director and choreographer, but it's making money doing things I already have the skills for and that I already love to do. And what is it doing? It's helping my friends book more work. Well, what is my job as a teacher to help you book more work? So it is 100% aligned with me. And so that was just a third revenue stream for me. Then I became the faculty advisor for the professional programs at Broadway Dance Center who had a small salary for that. So that was another revenue stream. Right. So I'm not going to go through all of these. You get the idea. But every year or two, I started to add more and more and more. Even a couple of years ago, it's still happening to me now. I added Amplified Artists because now with having a website where all this education and, and support is available, I can help people on a larger scale than if I was just in person with you in a classroom or in a dance studio. Right. So that's another revenue stream. Even on this podcast today, you heard me launch another revenue stream for me, which is now the ability to tip and support the show. Now, that's not going to be a groundbreaking amount of money, right? It's not going to change my life, but it's going to help recoup some of the costs that it, you know, cost me to do this podcast. So that's great. So some of these revenue streams will be great. Some will be, you know, smaller amounts of money. But again, it's just expanding the ways you can make money for the things you're already doing. So you don't need to do any extra work. It does not cause me any more work to have the ability for you to leave a tip on the show than me just to do the show, right? So it's just another thing just another way that I can add in a revenue stream. So hopefully you see now that this is like over 20 years now. And I, I would say if I counted them all, that I have 10 revenue streams, okay? But it took me 20 years to get these 10 different revenue streams. So just think about that for yourself. If you just add one revenue stream this year, that's amazing, right? And then as time goes on, you can keep adding them as you go, all right? So that's, that's about that piece. Now, like I said, for the expanding the ways you can book work, I wanted to talk to you about this free resource that I have. And so it's called Dream Career Blueprint, like I said, and it really puts together the 20 things that I think you need to construct your dream career in the fastest and easiest way possible. And these 20 things, what I share with you in them, it's really the unanimous advice that you get from everyone who hires artists, whether that's producers, artistic directors, directors, choreographers, music directors, uh, anyone who hires artists. Now, when I was the faculty advisor for uh, the professional programs at Broadway Dance Center, we did mock auditions with our students all the time. I counted the other day, I did over 100 mock auditions in that position. And I've done mock auditions other places as well, where there's always a choreographer there, a casting director, a talent agent, 
A lot of other times we had directors and music directors there too, sometimes producers. And so I heard time and time again, them telling artists what they look for and like what makes you hireable and enticing to hire. I've also sat with all these people on different panels and taught with them on workshops. I've worked with them all in casting my own projects. It's the same casting teams, you know, I work with on my shows. So I've heard this again and again and again and again and again, but there's very few people in my position that have heard all of this stuff. So because I've heard it and because I've realized that this is all unanimous, that people are saying that your reel should be set up the same way. People are saying your website should be set up the same way. Your resume should be done the same way. Like people aren't saying all these different ways to do it. They're really saying the same things. I've compiled this all for you and put it into the dream career blueprint. So you know exactly how to do this because if people are saying this is what makes you hireable and then you show up and you're doing exactly what they want to see, you are going to book the job, right? If they come across your website and it's the exact format and it's strategized in the way that they say you should do it, then you're going to book the job, right? So I want to help you with this. And that's why I've put this together for you. Again, it's a completely free resource. So you can download it at jimcooney.me forward slash blueprint or clicking the link to it in the show notes. You just enter your email and I'll send it right over to you. So that's a little love and advice from me to you as you move forward in your career and to launch us into this second season. If you like this episode, just a reminder to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, if you haven't done so already, just another reminder to please leave the show a five-star review, especially if you think this podcast will be helpful for someone else. And if you've got any questions for me, you can give me a shout out on Instagram. I'm at jimcooneynyc. Remember, there is no one on the planet who's just like you. Stay true to the gifts you have and who you are. Thanks for tuning in today. Now, here's a little preview of next week's episode, and I will see you then. And I think that was so key because I don't, my first dance show wasn't until music. Like it was, it was very much like bat boy, tick, tick, boom. Um, High Fidelity wasn't dancing. South Pacific wasn't a big dance show. Sunday in the Park wasn't a big dance show. Like it really, it, and, and like, and in a way that I'm so grateful because it felt like by the time I got to Newsies and I was able to do that with all of those performers, I think without having gone through those steps, I think would have been completely different and completely not something, I mean, maybe other people would have enjoyed it, but I, I, like, I don't know if I would have.